Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and for today's episode, well, I'm certainly glad you could make it, and I'm certainly glad that our guest today made it. Today's guest is Will Wood, a singer-songwriter that is known for a plethora of amazing styles and amazing songs, releasing his newest album, In Case I Make It, on July 29th. Will is a returning guest that I was certainly ecstatic to have again considering how wonderful our first conversation with him was. And I know my uh, producer slash showrunner, Tipsy J. Hart, certainly wanted to have him back. That's why she was more than happy to join this conversation and be able to talk about the incredible music he's been putting out and this brand new album that should be releasing soon. If you enjoyed the conversation and want to find a way to support Will, make sure you check out the links down below for all of his info, such as the tour he is going on. You should definitely go and see a live performance from him. Absolutely outstanding. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that and I absolutely love it. If you want a place to further discuss the podcast or the incredible artist or just find a cool place to meet up with other artists, showcase your work, and just have a good time building a community, maybe you should consider joining the Postmodern Art Podcast Discord server, the Artist Sanctuary. There you can meet an incredible collective of artists that love the podcast and love the artists that I bring on, showcase your artwork, find some cool collaborations potentially, and just grow as a whole. We would greatly appreciate you joining and helping us grow this community more. And hey, if you want to go even a little bit further with that support and truly support the podcast more, maybe you should consider being part of the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon. There you can get exclusive behind-the-scenes content, stuff that was cut for time, and so much more. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Alright, well, before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you, alone with your thoughts, you get to kick back, relax, breathe a little bit, get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. To help with those relaxing vibes, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever mentality you want to try to go for in this place. And keep in mind, you're on this island for as long as you want, so bring whatever comes to mind if given this opportunity what would that one piece be um i mean if and you're you're saying it's like i'm going on my own accord and i can stay as long as i want it doesn't sound like a trip i really want to make oh so, okay, um, fair enough <laughs> uh uh just a deserted island alone actually no maybe i would i don't know but if i'm going to a deserted island to be alone for a while I don't think I would want to bring any media. I feel like the like the benefit of being alone on a deserted island is it, 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 if there was one, I think would be to like kind of clean yourself out spiritually or psychologically, kind of uh, you know spend that time being meditative or contemplative or working on your shit or whatever, you know? I don't know. Uh, if if I were going to go somewhere to be alone for a while, I feel like maybe I'd want to bring an instrument or a pen and paper. Okay. Or both, but um, okay. that doesn't count as media, so I don't know. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll allow it. I, I'm very flexible with this option. <laughs> right, you cool. know what? 
that definition i am zero like knowledge about what media counts anyway so like i was gonna say i think music should count well i i i yeah sure um then let's go with that if uh if that counts then yeah i'd, I'd bring my ukulele okay you know what fair enough i know especially with the the music you've been leaning a little bit more towards i imagine that's has that more or less come become like a, a comfort instrument for you, just like playing along with it? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a comfort instrument, but it has sort of superseded piano as my primary instrument when it comes to the writing process, I'd say. Okay. Um, I think I just kind of... Uh, it it's allows so many things... At, it, it allows me to do so many things as a songwriter and as a performer that the piano kind of prevents in a lot of different ways. The piano is this massive thing, or when it's a keyboard, at least, it's this thing that gets in front of you and separates you very much from your audience and like creates this like little wall in a way that I've noticed can actually really feel like a an actual barrier. I don't know, maybe that's silly, but um, also just as a songwriter, not just as a performer, as a songwriter, it allows me to create rhythms that wouldn't otherwise come to mind as a pianist and would and allows me to uh kind of explore myself vocally a bit more mm -hmm. because the piano because it requires so much more work from my hands and my arms it's harder to maintain quality vocal control and harder to maintain range through out a whole performance or throughout a whole practice session. And so, you know, um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a comfort instrument. It's just kind of become what I gravitate towards generally when it comes to just having the, the simple, straightforward experience of performing a song, singing something or writing something. You know what? Fair enough. And I, I just want to add real quickly, the metaphor about the piano being more or less a waltz. never heard that before, but you describing it. I can see, I can see the connection or whatnot. Like, it, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's ever said anything like that concerning how I guess universal the piano is or something like that. I don't know. It's just a unique metaphor. So. Well, I mean, I feel like at least with like an electric electronic keyboard, there feels like there's a barrier there. Mm -hmm. With a grand piano, it's a very bold statement. It's huge. There's something almost inherently I don't know if austere is the word. Uh, ostentatious is that maybe the word i'm thinking of i don't know there's something inherently grandiose there you go. about uh the piano itself like um it's it's hard to play piano and not be perceived a certain way mm -hmm. and that can also create a barrier um and another thing is i just i've kind of developed a level of familiarity with the piano where the thing i know best about piano is how bad i actually am at it and so i'll sit down at it and i will both feel too free to do anything with it but also feel too limited to do what i want with it you know what i mean like it's gotten yeah. to a point where, where my my skill level with it like, I, I don't know how to describe it but it's no longer the boundless expanse that it used to be i sit down at it and it's no longer like oh what is this thing let me figure it out let me uh see what this thing can do whereas ukulele is still new to me and guitar is still kind of new to me too and um so I, I don't know there's there's all kinds of things that have 
kind of directed me away from the piano. Don't get me wrong, that's still like home base for me, but no. Um, I, I love uh, strumming. It's simple, it's straightforward, it's grounded, you know? You know what? That is very valid and very fair, but nevertheless, the ukulele, that's what you're bringing with you. You're locking that in. Yes. All right, yeah. then. If that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am one of your hosts for the evening, Nathan Raglan. Would my co-host like to introduce herself as well? Yes, I would. Uh, hello, my name is Tipsy J. Harsh from Many Socials, and also my name is Maria. Uh, I'm an artist and animator, and also producer of the podcast. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, you can like, share, subscribe, follow the podcast on whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for uh, updates and... Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Postmod Art Pod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is a singer-songwriter known for his ever-changing style of music. His newest album, In Case I Make It, comes out July 29th, wherever you get your music. Welcome back to the podcast, Will Wood. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on the show. Well, it's it's an honor and a pleasure to have you back. Um, I know, at least for me personally, I'm probably for Maria as well. We greatly did appreciate your previous appearance. It was quite a trip going through basically your you know catalog and your career up to that point, and I, I truly enjoyed that conversation. But I know at the tail end of that conversation, you were teasing about at least being in the the pre production phase of a new album, and I know me and Maria were extremely excited for that and luckily the new album is just right around the corner with in case i make it um again i know we kind of talked about this last time whenever you were on the podcast but i was kind of wondering what was more or less the inspiration for wanting to create this album um well a couple of years ago when everybody was stuck inside constantly in front of a screen and being warped by our inability to go outside and interact in the real world and instead being constantly in front of the uh, AI-generated radicalization systems, um, uh, I started suddenly getting a lot more attention than I was used to or honestly psychologically equipped for, you know. Um, and uh, this was especially true after that one song of mine went uh, slightly viral on uh, the terrifying psyops program that people have decided we're all just gonna pretend is okay um and uh it was more attention than i was used to or uh, accustomed to or prepared for and i i i don't know i i started to freak out a little bit and i started to have a little bit of a of a psychiatric health crisis especially at the height of the pandemic and for a while afterward where I was convinced that the stars were aligning and there were signs in the universe that were telling me, you're going to die soon. And so I was like, okay, all these people have showed up out of nowhere. I'm probably going to die pretty soon. And everybody still thinks that I'm this gay space vampire, David Bowie, Tom Waits, uh, you know, uh, Cronenberg, that like, um, you know, I never really was. So... If I'm going to die, I should probably, you know, put out a song that shows this more personal and real and authentic side of me that isn't quite as wrapped up in 
being over the top and theatrical and performative and um you know expresses some thoughts and feelings that i've had over the past couple of years as i've gone through a lot of the changes i've gone through um I, I, and so, you know, I wanted to put out this very personal, very direct kind of album of all these songs that I didn't have a place for before. And I was going to call it In Case I Die. And then I didn't die. So I changed it to In Case I Make It, um, which is funny because uh, I told that story a few times. Uh, and I think it gave people the idea that this was going to be like, this was like my I Feel Better Now album. Um and, uh, no, I, I definitely felt better when I realized I wasn't going to die. Life is, you know, a lot, of, a lot has happened since then. Um, and, you know, uh, like, I just think that's like, they're going to, people are going to really, if that's what they're expecting from this record, they're, they're going to have trouble with it when they, um, when they listen, you know, uh, this is definitely one of my heavier pieces, you know, um, and uh so um yeah it's um what what else can i say it's uh, inspired by just like day-to-day life stuff just feelings about my life and my uh relationships and who i am or perceive myself to be or you know all that stuff like stuff inside my head and stuff around me i don't know like i've got a song that's just about a mouse on it yeah. No. So, yeah. um, I just straightforward people stuff. Not as much uh, cartoon character music. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Fair enough. I mean, it's not that we certainly didn't enjoy the the cartoon character music. Trust me, we absolutely loved it. But at the same time, like especially the the singles you've been pushing out uh, when it comes to teasing this album or whatnot. You know, what few that is out there. I mean, we can certainly. I. I I cannot speak for everyone, but I know that for me personally, I tell I can tell that there is definitely a little bit more of a heavier tone, more of a, a weighty, like, down-to-earth mentality, if I may. Kind of like, we can tell that this is a lot more rooted. Not that your previous stuff wasn't, but, like, this is a lot more rooted in, like, reality and such. And I know, like, a, a good example of that is from what you talked about, oddly enough, the song about the mouse, Tomcat Disposables. Um which I was intrigued to find that it was actually based on like more or less a true story or like a tribute to something that actually happened to you. Um, if you want to elaborate on that, but um, what was I going to say it words come back to me. <laughs> I, I lost my words halfway through. You, <laughs> no, um, uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, no, the Tomcat disposables. It's incredible. More or less like, Sorry, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I had my train of thought and then I lost it. I don't know what in the world just happened right there. You want me to like all day, every day? <laughs> you so hard. I guess what he's trying to ask is like, um, so could you tell us a little bit more about um, Tomcat Disposable and the story uh, that follows with the mouse? Uh, yeah, um, so, uh, a couple years ago, I found a mouse in my kitchen, and I wanted to befriend it. I saw it trying to drag a hunk of Parmesan through a hole behind the oven, and, 
I broke it up into little pieces and he ran away at the sight of me so in the hopes that he would then be able to get those smaller pieces through the hole. Um, and uh, um, I, I, I have an affinity for rodents and pests, animals that people think that you just don't really think much of um, and that are just we're all just like willing to kind of kill without a second thought. And uh, I keep pet rats. And so this little animal was like if you saw a stray cat or dog to me, you know. And um, and then I found out about uh, hantavirus and Lyme disease being associated with this particular deer mouse. And um, my landlord was like, here are some poison traps. Kill the thing. And so I did. And... Uh, um, and, uh, then I spent like two days crying about it <laughs> and I wrote this song, uh, sort of from the perspective of that mouse. Um, and, uh, the series of events that, you know, occurred from my first finding him in the kitchen and his life before that through his death, um, you know which includes my heat getting shut off at one point. Oh, lovely. Which I don't think anybody's going to get, you know, because a mouse describes it to you and he doesn't know what that is. But, um, you know, but that's in the song as well. So, um, yeah, and the song is also, I guess, sort of uh, a metaphor for um, uh, my my relationship with my career a little bit. Um, You know, it's a story of a mouse who... uh, uh, encounters Tomcat disposables, um, the uh, specific trap that I used. I mean, if I may say, like, as well as it, I appreciate the fact that you're saying that, uh, when it comes to like the, the emotion of it more than anything else, like what we were talking about beforehand, like, you know, again, this is like a true story, but you found a way, like, I know you were crying for it, but I think you found a way for some of your audience as well to like be crying alongside with you. Just the amount of details that you put in that song and the amount of like emotion that goes with it, that to where like you make what some people would, you know, consider nothing more than a pest. Like you become like so emotionally attached to this animal. I, I just can't help but appreciate the the fact that you're able to bring that audience your audience along for that ride as well like for this tale that yeah you know, again no one would really think about it but it makes a lot of people myself included think about like mortality and stuff like you know you could have your your eggs in a row or whatnot and then something just happened then it, that's the end right there like i just appreciate how you were able to really translate that story more than anything else well thank you very much i appreciate that i uh definitely very happy with what ended up happening with that uh release i heard a lot of people there were a lot of people telling me that um uh that they were quite moved by the story and it felt like a big success to be able to you know uh cause people to uh feel empathy and sympathy and mourn uh for this uh creature that usually people would just stomp on if they could you know if i have to say like literally the song has reminded me of this one time where um there was this like little um this little mouse on uh one of the traps that uh, my folks set up and 
I felt so bad because I was like crying for the longest time. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get this little guy out of there. So I kind of took him to the park and I let him go and stuff. And a lot of people, including my folks, said, well, why the hell did you do that? He's probably going to find his way back home or he's probably going to be out there like spreading disease and stuff. And um, I just kind of felt like really deeply connected to the animal because it has like life and to me it has like like you know some some type of conscious i mean i would i would hate it if like my life ended out of nowhere because i'm you know disposable but yeah it's the way that i feel too i think i i i i i i think that um nobody has the right to end another thing's life um you know and uh while sometimes we need to do it um still should be avoided when we can uh pretty much across the board you know unless it's a mosquito that that one i make yeah. no <laughs> that one yeah get that out of here uh, and except but, you know. for that except for that one mouse that came to my toilet one time that that traumatized me for life you gotta do what you gotta do you know and so like <laughs> i get it like i'm not a vegan you know so who am i to talk you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but I was gonna say, Maria, were you just basically describing the plot of Flushed Away right there? A mouse coming from the toilet. Shut up. We are not bringing this movie. We are not bringing this movie into this conversation. Let's move on. <laughs> I can't believe you. Well, I'm sorry. It was right there. I can tell. But speaking of mouses in motion picture and whatnot, I do have to also give a lot of love and appreciation for the music video as well. That was uh, from you as well as uh, Ivan Fisher Owens from Beyond the Bark. The The way that you had it set up was absolutely like stunning and gorgeous. Like it, it, I would honestly say is probably one of, if not your best music video that you've been able to release so far. Like I just, I love that one. Thank you. Um, Ivan is an unbelievably talented artist and engineer and animator and he did uh incredible work it really felt kind of perfect really serendipitous that he had reached out and basically said to me listen i'm looking to expand my repertoire and resume of music video work and i'd love to do a song uh for you and i said what about these songs and he listened to tomcat disposable and uh, tomcat disposables and he felt like that was the one that he was suited for and from there we kind of you know worked together he showed me samples of what he could do and what he was uh you know uh trying to do what he had never done before but would like to take on and uh you know we just kind of went back and forth working conceptually on uh how to tell this story using the kind of visual language that he is so adept with and using the tools that he's so uniquely skilled with. Um, he had a lot of really, uh, he had a great vision for it. And, um, you know, because of his unique style, we were able to capture, I, I think, um, something that, I don't know, um, traditional animation wouldn't have been able to accomplish, you know, being able to do it, stop motion using the laser woodcut stuff and the gears and the mechanisms and all that stuff I think was really important to uh, telling the story in a way that really got the point across the mechanized feel of everything almost kind of lends itself to what I think is almost like the I don't know 
the inevitability of mortality and the, um, I don't know, I guess I was trying to uh, really show how Mouse might have felt in its final moments going, really, that's what this whole thing was made for? This whole machine that I've been a part of for all this time, this world that I have entered into, I'm going to leave it, and why? What was that for? It was all going to add up to this, you know? And so by making it mechanical like that, I think that that really added to the sort of fatalistic feel that we were going for. And just, it was such a thrill. Uh, You know, he is all the way on the other side of the country, and so... We never actually met face to face. We did everything over Zoom calls, phone calls, and text messages and emails. And um, it was really cool to collaborate with him and see it coming to fruition piece by piece. It was really a, a thrill. And I've always loved stop motion. Yep, so, absolutely. You know what? Fair. Definitely fair. I was going to say, in fact, um, the way that uh, you and uh, Ivan. Uh, got together on that. It's actually the same way that me and the guy that did my intro sequence, Fasado, uh, he just messaged me after like my third episode. like, hey, if you ever want like an intro sequence, just like let me know. And I just kind of kept that in the back of my mind until I was like, all right, here's a song I'm thinking of using. Just have fun with it. And now is the incredible like 50s animation like aesthetic that he just went with. And I, I forever applaud him for that. Um, but, That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... Speaking of, you know, machines and stuff like that, I think I just got to go ahead and just talk about quite possibly the most, I guess, like, interesting song that you've released so far. Or at least the one that I is the hardest for me to listen to, and that is You Like This OK Computer. I, I, I think I, I, I just have to say, how in the world did you find a way to really personify and translate the essential the existential dread that comes with social media with that song because you do a damn good job with that um well thank you i um uh i uh personally i was kind of going for just bleakly humorous than existentially dreadful so um but i i i guess i still yeah i i um but maybe that just goes to show how kind of fucked up I am. Um, you know, the things that crack me up um, can be maybe a little bit, I don't know, a, a little bit too bleak sometimes. But um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely couldn't have done it without Bev Standing, mm-hmm. um, who is a voice actress uh, whose voice was used for TikTok's uh, text-to-speech feature when it first became popular until she sued them because apparently they never actually got her permission to use her voice. And I uh, I emailed Bev and basically said, hey, I got this basically series of jokes that I'd love for you to tell um, and then cut together into a sort of tribute to Radiohead's Fit or Happier. Would you be down to do that? And I sent her the... Um, uh, um, I, I, I asked her if she was uh, willing to do that and she took it on. And there I just kind of cobbled different takes of her performances together. And uh, then I pressed a microphone up against my rat's belly and, you know, fucked with that in Pro Tools, played a little piano over it, got a string player to make some, you know, the Shining soundtrack little plucks and stuff. And 
no, I guess I, I guess it's spooky, you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I was going for spooky too. Um, you know, uh, I think though, so, um, I'm never going to fully get away from that, that Halloween vibe that I, you know, have always been such a fan of and kind of put out, you know? You know what? That, that's fair enough. I, I was going to say, like, when it comes to the actual, like, what Bev was saying, which, by the way, she did a wonderful job really selling that more than anything else. Absolutely but, amazing. But it's like, you know, listening back to, like, what exactly she says or when I was like, you know, the 10 ways to, like, avoid life or, you know, hashtag cancel Will Wood. Like, those, that part is, like, absolutely, like, hilarious or whatnot. But the soundscape you implement in it, like, that's why I get that kind of, like, feeling in my gut more than anything else. Like, you were talking about, like, loving the Halloween sounds. Like, it really came through with that song and i just wanted to almost like delete every social media platform i had after listening <laughs> to that probably for the best uh, thing well, uh you might have influenced him too much i don't we need the show <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's no escaping it it's the future um i hope that uh people are able to kind of Hope that we as a society are able to continue to talk about the genuinely harmful effects of it so that someday whatever we do have that's equivalent to social media um is not something that's as easily manipulated now um obviously being connected with the world at a moment's notice is an incredible thing and it can do beautiful things and it can incite social change and it can allow people who couldn't connect previously connect in, you know, in new ways and connect for the first time. Um, and it can give a voice to people who previously were, you know, for lack of a better word, voiceless, but at the same time, it's also nothing goes on on these platforms that hasn't been vetted by the billionaire class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, I think that, um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, when it comes down to it, everything that you stumble across on your feed, you're not seeing it by accident. You know, people, they think of something as being a post on a website. And so, yeah, I posted it. I put it up on a wall and now my friends are going to pass by it when they walk on their way. The answer is no, you submitted it into the algorithm and the algorithm, de algorithm decided based on its surveillance of other users, what would increase engagement from other users and what increases engagement is destabilizing material, stuff that makes people angry, stuff that makes people insecure, so on and so forth. So, you know, the way I feel about it is um, I think that it's uh, it's something that could be a really, really powerful force for good, but the way that it's operated and how it's used by the companies that are in charge of it and therefore are the media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this isn't the democratization of media. It's just not. Um, you know, I mean, I guess it kind of is, but only in the way that Citizens United is democracy. Uh, the corporations are still going to control the discourse. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you know, un unless the uh, these the unless the powerful are prevented from exercising that power in abusive ways, uh, I, I think um, it's going to do a lot more harm than good. And so, you know, my publicist said, if we can get even one person to delete TikTok, uh, then we've done our job. And I thought that was so funny. It's like, <laughs> that is not what a publicist says. <laughs> that is not our job here. Um, but like, I love that because, you know, to me, like, I'm, I'm really worried about 
the mental health of future generations, especially young people right now who are growing up on platforms that are designed to emotionally destabilize you. You know, when you're that young and your brain is that malleable and sensitive and, you know, you're in such a formative and vulnerable position, these companies prey upon younger kids. And I'm really worried about how that's going to rewire their brains and how it's going to fuck up the next generation. Um, and so, you know, yeah, if we get one kid to delete TikTok, we've definitely done some good. And if we can get you to delete TikTok, then hell yeah. Um, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've only used TikTok once, so it was already deleted for me. But I'm sure someone out there listening hopefully takes this advice to heart, maybe? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I would I would delete TikTok if only my career wasn't on it. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, fair enough, valid. Um, let's go from one thought-provoking song to another thought-provoking song, if I may. At least for me, the most thought-provoking of the singles Eve released so far, and that's White Noise. Um, I appreciate just kind of this song more or less. Like at least for me, I get this like, especially looking at kind of more or less the description that came with White Noise or whatnot. Kind of the sensation of like finding meaning or like finding some sort of meaning and what would feel like meaninglessness or whatnot. What, what does the song white noise mean to you? Um, kind of hard to say. No, I think that that's white noise came to, came to me. I hate using phrasing like that, but you know, it's just so, but, um, it did, it kind of came to me. It wasn't, process of writing it was not as intellectualized as a lot of my other stuff has been over the past few years it was much more intuitive it was kind of me just feeling out and going like i don't know what this line means but i know that it's the right thing to say here you know and so i didn't really know what i was saying until long after i had like spent some time with the song and tooled with it and played around with it and you know um i also think that uh like like know that going into it basically i was just trying to find a way to express and expel these sort of hollow empty, empty feelings i was having at the time and i felt like i felt inside the way it feels when you zone out to a popcorn ceiling or to some off-white beige-ish rental-friendly wall in your dingy apartment outside Atlantic City. You know, it's just like felt flat and gray and staticky and fuzzy. And um, and so that's what kind of inspired it. And what ended up coming out, I think, yeah, it to me is sort of about finding meaning in meaningless things, but also about uh, recognizing the meaninglessness in what you feel are meaningful things. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's kind of, no, I don't really know how exactly to explain it. And I understanding of the song is hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes. And I think that's kind of perfect for it. Cause you know, for a, for a song that is in a sense kind of about meaning, I think that, it being open to interpretation and a bit on the abstract side is uh that's for the best you know oh absolutely i was gonna say i know at least for for me personally when i listen to the song 
Like, I, I, I know for you it might seem, like, hard to describe. And for me, like, it would be hard for me to describe to other people as well. But yet, somehow, for me, it's probably the song that I connect with the most out of the singles that you've released so far. Like, I I know what sensation you're trying to describe because I've felt that at times as well. Like, just, you know, doing mundane stuff or just, like, being in the same room a hundred times over or going back and forth to the same job a million times over. Just kind of times where I feel like all I am just doing is just going through, like, white noise or whatnot. Like, life just keeps moving or whatnot, but I'm just here experiencing whatever white noise is going on around me. I, that that's why whenever I heard that song, at least for me, I it, it was the one that I connected to the most. And I'm like, how in the world did you describe the sensation that I thought I was only feeling? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Maybe I should see a therapist about it. But, you know, that's a whole entire different story. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, OK, Matt. Yeah, fair enough. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you licensed for this? Um, um, no, but moving on, moving on. I, I did want to at least also say as well, like when it came to this song, I also loved like the, the elements and especially like the music video for this one as well. Um, I know with this one, it was a lot more of like, uh, an energy burst when it comes to some of the elements that you added with it. Like the fact that you include a Belgian or sorry, Bulgarian, not Belgian, Bulgarian choir into this thing. <laughs> like it must've been incredible for you to like really let loose with this song and make it a bit more grandiose than some of your other stuff, maybe. Um, yeah, I, uh, it, it, it does get quite big towards the end. And I think, I think, um, I, I think, uh, I think a big part of why it feels so big towards the end of it, you know, I'd like the climax of the song is it's partially, I think, because it starts so small. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that that was a that was a big part of my method with arranging and producing these songs was to create a baseline from which deviation could be the most striking. And so, you know, but but it was definitely uh, a really, really cool experience to uh, work with um, with, yeah, that choir and with the string guy. Um I hired somebody from, oh, I can't even remember where he was from, but uh, Yod Nir, I hired him to uh, take on the string section. And I had never done this before, uh, except for on soundtrack work that I've done. Mm -hmm. But I was able to you know, use MIDI instruments and the charts that that provides me to circumvent the fact that I'm essentially musically illiterate and be able to actually kind of kind of to actually compose these arrangements and actually compose what the choir is singing and what the string section is playing. And that was a really cool experience that I was able to, you know, that I had a chance to put these skills that I had developed over the course of the pandemic to use while also having the budget to really do something big with it. Um, like hire a choir from across the planet and, uh, you know, you know, make these statements and create these sounds that I couldn't make before. Absolutely. And it, I, one of the things I love that I forgot to mention earlier, but one of the things I appreciate about these sounds is like, 
obviously if anyone knows about will wood they know that like there's always seems to be some a different kind of sound that you like to bring to the table a different sound that you like to provide just about every single time you release something it, it's it's you one of the things that I think a lot of people love and appreciate that's unique about you. And with the songs I've described so far and just the songs you've released with this, with this one, it seems to be more of a, more of a, a folk style that you sort of kind of went with, with this one. Was that always the intention when you were developing this album or was that something that as it was developing, you realized that was the best way to translate what you were thinking? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I've been listening to a lot more, uh, folk to indie uh traditional singer songwriter vibe-esque stuff and chamber pop over the past couple of years than i used to um and uh so i think some of it is just that's naturally how i've been influenced by the music that i've been listening to um you know the uh um i i don't know um I also think that it was an inevitable result of picking up the ukulele and doing so much of my writing on it. So much of the new album, I wrote the song on the ukulele and then I used the piano to uh, kind of arrange and compose from there. And, um, you know, so I, I think just using a strummed instrument like ukulele or guitar will always kind of, I don't know, it, it can quite often make things feel more grounded. Um, because it has that sort of, I don't know, sonic connotation of uh, long-standing. I, I I don't know uh, an element of traditional Americana that creates atmosphere that feels intimate, feels more human, feels more grounded and direct um, than say synths and high-flying piano solos and saxophones and screaming over uh you know uh, irreverent doo-wop pastiches you know it's like um i don't know um it, it it did feel like the right way to go as well it felt like um it, it felt like that was how i would best communicate some of these feelings i was having and it was also how a lot of them just came out in the first place um so am i frozen no no you're perfectly got it oh, no you're, no you're, you've been perfect. fine <laughs> on my end i am pretty funny interesting <laughs> uh, oh, i'm back okay there you go okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Whew. laughs> trust me you gave us a heart attack as well uh <laughs> no but i i i do like appreciate what you're kind of getting at what kind of that more or less like the human element the 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 different atmosphere that you're bringing with these songs or whatnot though i will say the one song that i love the most so far that is both bringing that atmosphere that you talk about while also being completely out of this world when it comes to the atmosphere has to be cicada days that's hands down been like my favorite song from this new release or whatnot I appreciate I appreciate more or less the metaphor that you've implemented with this one of the of cicadas you know for yeah, you know, especially how they seem to be like rude underground, change unchanging for all these years, and then they just unleash themselves into the world or whatnot. What was it about the cicada that influenced you to devote a song into that? Um, well, it actually um, it wasn't cicadas that popped into my head first with the song. Okay. Uh, the working title of the song was Inhumane. The 
focus of it, of the chorus to me, is less about the cicada days and more about the phrase, she said it just feels inhumane to lose this much. Um, that was really what inspired the song, okay. um, was that phrase. But it wasn't about cicadas. It was was about the feelings that went into it. And the cicada element of it didn't come until later. I, I don't really know exactly where that came from. Um, I think just at some point, phrase cicada days popped into my head and it kind of just grew from there. And it sort of, you know, inserted its roots, its tendrils into the rest of the song and kind of altered how the rest of the song then presented itself to me and therefore how I was going to approach, uh, you know, second, third drafts of lyrics, if there were any, um, and how I was going to, you know, kind of uh, form it when the time came to. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the metaphor of cicadas wasn't introduced until I had kind of already expressed a lot of the rest of it, which I think is actually what makes it work because I'm not spending any time in that song trying to justify the invocation of whatever cicada days are, but rather the cicada days end up coloring the rest of it. And therefore it almost implies directly. It's just like, it's implicit. Like we know that this song is about cicada days and now we're going to see what, what that is. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get carried away saying half gibberish stuff about the craft or something if you don't stop me. So, but <laughs> You say getting carried away. I'm just along for the ride wherever you take me. But I, I do want to at least say when it comes to this song, like, again, I I love the different elements. I love the lyrics of it, like just the 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 discussion of, like, nature and, like, the description of it. Like, it's very influential. And I love like how the action just like slowly creeps up more and more and rises, rises until we get to that third stanza, I guess would be the proper term or third verse or whatnot. And just like you went all out with that last little bit, the you like whatever energy you were holding back from that first half was completely unleashed in that final part or whatnot. Just, you know, you like belting it at the top of your lungs, which I belt along with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the distortion, the, the guitars or whatnot, which by the, way i have to ask uh the guitarist for that song mike uh i'm probably gonna butcher the last name bata gilleria gilleri um is he all right because i saw how the production of that little guitar verse came to be is he all right after everything is said and done yeah he's good um uh, mike's a great guy um just been one of my favorite people in the world for uh geez nearly half my life now and um uh, we go way back. We've known, known each other since high school. Um, he He's played on everything that I've put out. Uh, yeah, except for most of everything is a lot. He actually only comes in on the last second to last track on that one. But okay. since then, he's been on all of my releases and has played every full band show that I've played, which we haven't done in years. But um, yeah, he's uh, what we did is we put him in isolation booth with his amp and his guitar and we gave him earplugs and gun range earmuffs so that we could 
or crank it up to 11 and see how bad we could get the feedback to sound. Um, and because he had no playback through, you know, earphones, uh, headphones, um, had to give him visual cues to keep him on tempo from outside the isolation booth. And, um, you know, from there, we just kind of went through the sounds that he made to find the most chaotic and, you know, freaky moments of the recordings that we got to kind of get that sort of Johnny Greenwood, Ben's era, uh, Ben's era Radiohead feel. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I can tell. And I, you know what? I will commend Mike for the years of dedication, being able to do that. Um, I imagine that, you know, you guys, you know, with how long you guys have worked with each other or whatnot, like a lot of faith for something as interesting of a process as that had to definitely go forth in order to create that unique sound. It was definitely well worth it more than anything else. Um, if I may say, if I may quote your your lyric here, I'm glad his red flags didn't turn to white. So there you go. <laughs> I had to get at least one lyric in there, and that's honestly the best one I can think of. Um, <laughs> Man. Uh, but, you know, I, I know we talked about a lot of the other ones. The only one that I haven't talked about so far is obviously uh, Euthanasia, which is, you know, we talk, we started off talking about a song about mice and mortality, and we end with a song about mice and mortality more than anything else. Um, though I, I want to say with this song, I appreciate the, the view of this one more or less like, you know, with the first one talking about like basically accepting death, this one is more or less like, I guess, coping with the afterlife or whatnot. What was, what led to the creation of this song? I mean, it was, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, the lyrics to the, to that song really just, uh, you know, uh, I had a rough time putting down one of my pet rats and, uh, as part of my grieving process and dealing with the trauma of the, the way in which he did go, um, you know, was uh, part of it was to sit down with my ukulele at, at like six o'clock in the morning after a sleepless night of just bawling my eyes out and uh, writing down whatever came to mind that I felt like would make me bawl my eyes out harder. And so uh, people have told me that that song made them bawl their eyes out. And now I'm like, Oh, me too, man. Um, but yeah, that one, um, yeah, that one was, that one came from a pretty, how to put it, I don't want to say raw, but a pretty rough place. Um, the, uh, I, I don't know, the, the end for Bert came uh, at a time where it was almost certainly necessary, but it, came in a way that I wish I could have avoided. Um, and I, 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 you know, it still crushes me to think about it. It's uh, awful. Um, and that's how I processed it is with that song. Um, so, yeah. And it definitely, it definitely, the experience definitely did give me a newfound respect for, uh, it's so silly because it's about a rat and people don't even think of rats as pets, let alone, something that you mourn for weeks when you lose it. But, you know, uh, it's like I was saying about the mouse earlier. It's like, you know, 
that's like a dog or a cat to me. It's it, that's a member of my family. You know, I, I love my rats. And so, yeah, the song is, is, is pretty straightforward. It's almost like word for word, the thoughts that were coming to my mind at the time, you know, maybe like a little bit more, you know, abstracted, but. I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from and more than anything else, I have to commend you for actually going forth and actually making this song. I can only imagine how much of a emotional mess it must have been to, to go forth with this song. Cause I mean, you say, you know, Hey, it's, it's just a mouse or it's just a rat, but like, you know, it's, it was still a pet. It was still a part of your family. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you were strong enough to, to go through and make this to help with the coping. Cause I know losing a pet, you know, I've had several dogs come and come and go through here in this house one night. It's never any easier whenever we have to put a dog down. So, yeah, yeah I, I just guess recently, had, yeah, I just recently had to like um, let go of um, two of my dogs, uh, one from last year and then one three months ago. So it was like, I, I know how difficult it is and stuff. And a lot of my family, uh, most of them has moved on. But for me, I'm still like in a weird space where I'm still like coping and grieving at the same time. Um, but when I listened to this song, uh, Euthanasia, um, I will admit at first, like, you know, I was just watching the music video and I was kind of coming along and I had the sense that it had to deal with death. But the ending kind of gave me a sense of hope, like a weird leg way where I can relax with my feelings. If that's a weird, a weird way to say that I'm okay now of the idea that um, my, my dogs are in a better place and stuff just cause um, seeing what I think it's you um, with your pet, uh, with your pet rat with the wings and the rainbow and stuff. It, it's just a nice feeling. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, I, uh, we, we decided, Joe Wideline, the animator for that video, we decided to, um, uh, to, to not illustrate it as me specifically because we wanted to keep it kind of uh, more more universal. Of course, we chose a rat, which is an extremely non-universal <laughs> pet. Um, but we also felt like, you know, maybe showing a rat specifically. One, for me, I wanted to show a rat because it was about me and my rat. Um, and also because I felt like it was an opportunity to kind of not humanize. That's not the word I'm looking for. But you look at a drawing of a rat anywhere or a depiction of a rat anywhere it's always this ghastly evil looking little thing yeah. uh in this way where it's like people will even call somebody a rat to describe them as like you know grody and it's weird because like it's it's i don't know i see like a drawing of a rat or i see a rat halloween decoration and i'm just like has the person who made this never actually seen a rat <laughs> they're adorable you know they're adorable in the weird like kind of ugly way but yeah. adorable um so it's it's weird but um the point was uh you know just sort of uh i don't know maybe maybe normalize i hate the word normalize but you know um uh normalize the idea of seeing uh, a pet rat as a real pet 
because um, I think a lot of the time they're not, and therefore rats aren't always treated as well as they otherwise would be or could be. And um, I don't know. Um, the uh, forget what the other point I was going to make was, but uh, yeah. Um, I totally forget. Um, I was going to say it like, I, again, I can sort of agree with what Maria was saying right there with, you know, I, I, I appreciate that even though, you know, it wasn't supposed to be specifically you at the end or whatnot, it, it gave more or less like, you know, a good self insert along with the whole entire, you know, rat thing or whatnot. It was, it was wonderful that, that even though it's a story that was very unique and personal to you, it was a good way for the audience to be able to connect on such a unique, on, on a, to be blunt, like a fairly common thing that happens to them. Cause I mean, a lot of people have pets and those pets, you know, sadly, you know, they can only live for so long. So I, once again, I appreciate you having more or less the strength to be able to, to push out that concept for hopefully people to find a way to help them cope just like Maria. So. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, actually that does remind me of, of what I was going to say in response to what Maria had said. Um, so, um, Oh, I, 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 I do appreciate uh, y'all saying that. I definitely felt like um, when I was mourning the loss of Bert, I think um, thing that that was my rat's name. I don't know if I ever said that. Um, but um, I was mourning his death. I uh, I remember going on 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 Google and on Spotify and trying to find songs about losing a pet. Because I don't know, I felt like that would be cathartic to listen to that kind of music, and I couldn't find anything that really described how I was feeling in a way that I don't know, just that really hit the spot I was trying to go for, or I was trying to get to in my head. I don't know how to put it, but um, you know, definitely a hope of mine with that song was to give people the track that I was missing when I was going through that. So um, I'm very, very happy. Uh, happy is a weird word for it, but it's very gratifying. And uh, it's, um, you know, it means a lot when uh, people you know, have, have shared with me that the song meant something to them and in some way uh, was a part of their grieving process in some way. So, I appreciate y'all sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna say like, um, just uh, I like I w I would have wished I came across this song a lot more sooner and stuff because I know like um, the last song that it, it was weird because um, the the last song that was played after I had to let um, my last dog go, um, the radio was playing time after time which now hits different for me every time it plays. Right. And, and um, the song's great and stuff, but it just reminds me of that incident every time. But um, euthanasia kind of gives me like that, that again, that weird sense of like, I'm okay now. I'm still sad, but I know that my pet is okay. Oh, that's great. There you go. And I I know that like it's not just this song, but I feel like the audience as a whole, they've been able to connect uh, with all of these songs you've been able to release. And I know it just makes – my I know myself, but everyone just 
interested to see if this is only the taste you're allowing us, like what the full 16 songs you're going to be releasing to us, how much we're going to be able to relate to that. For those who might be curious, what should we expect from this album? Um, well, um, it, it's like, like, uh, uh, like we said, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely a bit on the folkier side, a bit more grounded in its sound, mm-hmm. but it's still, uh, it's still pretty diverse. Um, and, uh, while I think, um, may at some points, you know, because uh, while, while I do think, yeah, it's a bit more grounded and a bit more direct, it also is definitely my most complex work, um uh and uh you know it's like the you know with with like the orchestration and everything and the production and it's um it's definitely like um i don't know uh i i don't really know what's going on i don't i i i try not to look at stuff you know occasionally i'll take a peek at something but I try not to for the same reason I try not to do cocaine, you know. It's like it feels really good for 20 minutes and then I'm going to have heart palpitations for 48 hours. Fair. You know. Like, you know, it's yeah. like it, it so I, I try to avoid it. It's just not healthy. So take it with a grain of salt because most of what I do know about how my work is perceived comes either from something somebody directly tells me or from something my publicist shares with me. Um, but you know, I um get the sense that a lot of people expect this record to all be like all piano ballads or something um or all just folk ballads and um be musically very consistent but I would say it's about as musically or genre-wise uh diverse as any of the rest of my stuff um you know it's still it's still all over the place. It's just a new place, you know? And I like uh, artists who do that, who switch things up a bit through uh, their discography. And I, I find, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like, you know, I think, I think that once people really hear it, they'll get the sense that, no, this is a natural continuation from my previous work. It, it sounds about right, you know? Um, I don't think that there's a greater difference in sound between this one and my last record and my last record and the one before it. Um, you know, it's just what a lot of people who are familiar mostly with the more popular songs in my discography, it's unfamiliar to them. It's going to be like, oh, wait, I thought this guy did, you know, evil jazz. And, you know, um, <laughs> instead it might be a bit or seven and a half minute piano ballad, you know, or um, island folk with a breakdown, you know? So it's like, um, uh, it's like, um, it's, it's, uh, it's long. It is, it's 16 tracks, it's 73 minutes. And while, yeah, it has some of my most grounded stuff, it also has some of the most complicated and definitely some of my weirdest as well, some of my wackiest stuff. Uh, at some point, people, I think, decided it wasn't going to be wacky anymore, that I was never going to play anything in a minor key again or ever raise my <laughs> voice again or uh, ever make anything whimsical. But no, it's it's still me. It's definitely more towards the sensitive, personal kind of side. But um, over the course of the album, it definitely gets weirder and weirder. 
I mean, to be fair, you did release, you like this okay computer. I knew there was going to be some whimsical and wacky in there. I knew that it wasn't just going to be all straightforward, you know, ukulele and piano ballads. But I also can tell that with the stuff you have released, just as a whole or whatnot, like like you said, it's a lot more grounded. And that's something that I know we kind of talked about in our last conversation. You were talking about how you wanted to have more or less like a, a an honest, like especially for the past couple of years, just kind of an honest representation of yourself. Because like, you know, what was it? The normal album, like at that point, what the songs were like two, four years old, whenever you released that in 2020 or something like that. Something long yeah. It's like the songs are already fairly old on that album, but with this one, like it's a lot more of the more recent years, and it's a lot more. And like you said, like it's a lot more grounded. And if what you've been presenting is you know a grounded, honest Will Wood, I can't help but be nothing short of excited. I don't know about Maria, but I'm I'm certainly excited to to hear this thing. You're not sure about me? That's kind of disrespectful, <laughs> since I was the one who brought you into this. Okay. <laughs> She brought me the Will Wood in the first place, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, I I it, yeah, the songs that went into the normal album, some of them were a number of years old. At this point, some of the songs on the new album are a few years old. Okay. Uh, White Noise started coming out end of twenty eighteen. Oh wow! Okay. I think something okay. like that. That's when I first started writing that. Um, so you know. But it, it, but it is definitely, uh, it's still, it's still certainly more recent, you know. And I feel more like, I feel more like White Noise than I do like, I don't know, uh, name a song from my last record, uh, you know. Superbia over. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I definitely uh, that definitely reflects who I am uh, on a more intimate level. You know, don't get me wrong. I feel like if I if I like emphasize, oh, this new album is so much more personal and direct and yada, 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 it's going to give the impression that I don't feel like my previous releases are um, as good or as honest or something like that. And that's not it at all. I, I, I'm still quite proud of my previous work. Um, now, you get far back enough, I start going like, this one? All right. But, you know... Um, like, you know, I cringe a little bit when I hear some of my really early stuff, but like, you know, um, that's part of the, that's part of it. You know, um, I think it's kind of part and parcel. I don't, I could be wrong, but, um, uh, but, uh, what was, what was my point? Um, oh, um, you know, my previous stuff is, it was still, you know, it's still authentic and real. It's just, it wasn't as, um, intent on transparency it was more interested in entertaining and being theatrical than this new stuff which i think i think is a lot more uh i don't know i still hope that it's entertaining and some of my most theatrical stuff ever is on the new record but it's just in a different way it's just more intended to be like um oh geez i don't know um I, I I really don't know, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm quite excited to be sharing the new material. Quite excited. I uh, definitely feel really good about it. Well, I know we're gonna be just as excited as as you are, if not more. Um, Maria, do you have oh, any yeah. questions you want to ask before we wrap this thing up? Oh yes, I do. Um, 
Well, the first question is, uh, Will, did you make it? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I understand the question. Um, maybe? No, we're not out of the woods yet. I was going to say, well, the album's called In Case I Make It, so I think her question is, did you make it yet? <laughs> did you make it? And by by the definition of the... Uh, and I don't know what that title means. I don't know what making it, what, what make it refers to. I mean, I do know what I meant when I first called it that. I also know that, like, I called it that because I was feeling better. My diagnosis is bipolar. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I am no longer feeling that way. I just already made the t-shirts and that poster on your wall. And I, so it's too late for me to change the album back to In Case I Die, which is what I was originally going to call it. And I really feel like I like more, which is why I ended up putting the, the title in quotes everywhere. Uh, anytime you see it, you'll see that it's in quotes. And I guess that's to sort of highlight, like... Yeah, this album is what this is what Will would would ha would have this is what Will would would have called this album. This is what Will would accidentally called this record. Um now, and there's always a little comma at the end of in case I make it. So it's it's formatted as though it's the a, a sentence fragment. It's in case I make it said Will would. What's the next half of the sentence? I don't know. Um but so, like, I guess, um, I, did I make it? Knee-jerk response to that is not yet. Um, I think it depends on, you know, how you're interpreting the, the title. Um, I think at the time I thought of it as being uh, surviving or making it in the music industry, the latter of which, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. And the former of which, uh, I'm, I'm close. So I'll, 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 I'll get there stretch you know um so uh yeah still a unique answer nevertheless uh do you have one more maria <laughs> yes i do um so well you have been known sometimes to put the longest titles in one of your songs can you please <laughs> let us know the one at least one song we should expect to have the longest title. Okay, um, so I have to pull it up somewhere because I, uh, I can't remember it offhand. It is the maximum number of characters my distribu my distributor allows a title to be. <laughs> um, otherwise, it would have been longer. I can um, only imagine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the majority of these track titles, yeah, they're they're not as long. Uh, as usual, um, it, the longest one on this one is track number fourteen, uh, and it's called uh, "Big Fat Bitches Blueberry Pie Christmas Tree and Recreational Jello Emporium," aka "Mr. Boy Is on the Roof Again," featuring pasta by Sneakers McSqueakers from the motion picture BFB's B Sides Bagel Batches Marshmallows and Barshmallows. I'm just going to say, I imagine if you were allotted more, you probably would have gone with like a, a poem like, what was it, Fiona Apple did or whatnot. I imagine you would have done <laughs> something like that. <laughs> would have, I would have gone as far as I could. I, whatever, whatever I could have called, I would have called it the longest thing I possibly could. And the song, uh, it, it, I think it takes longer to say the name of the song than it does to listen. 
because it is an interlude. Um, so when you describe it, if you ever perform this specific song, will you literally announce it as as long as you could remember it? I I don't think I'm going to be performing the song. Um, I don't have the instrumentation necessary to really capture its spirit live. You know what? Um, Fair enough. And the well, instrumentation on that one is is very this the the sound and the vibe of that song, um, or whatever you call it, uh, it, it very much relies on the instrumentation that I recorded it with. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's I think I I I am not sure it's my longest song title ever, but uh, it's the longest that symphonic distribution would allow me to. Get. You know what? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know what? That's that's fair enough. And like, especially if that's just a title for an interlude more than anything else. I'm excited to see, to think about what the other titles and what the other songs are going to sound like, especially with what you've been able to present so far. But um, for me, that's all the questions that I have for you, Will. Um, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, and I'm going to show you with a little bit more. And just, you know, because I, I, I appreciate you, and I wanted to just shower a little bit more with it. Um power through it you can do this i know you can um <laughs> you got this but will i know that uh i've said it a million times before i appreciate this new crop of songs you've been able to produce um honestly ever since the new songs have been released this has probably been the most i have been able to connect to music not just your music but music as a whole um it's incredible what you've been able to put out there and how you've been able to to translate whatever thoughts were in the in your head for this album and it makes me just eager more than anything else to hear what else i might be able to connect with what else i can be able to to help with whatever issues i may be having that i don't know about yet uh i just i appreciate the fact that you have put so much into this and i i i'm just I, I appreciate what you've been able to put into this and I cannot wait for what's next when it comes to just this album as a whole. Thank you for what you do and keep up the awesome work. Uh, Bria, do you have anything you want to add with that? Yes, I do. First off, I want to say thank you so much, Will, for uh, coming back as our um, as a guest again. We really were excited when we heard you were coming back for us and to talk about your new album and specifically your new album it is so far one of my top favorites one the second being the normal album but the first one i think this is gonna be my new favorite album since uh most of the songs ha that has been presented personal favorite of one uh is euthanasia uh sex drugs and rock and roll it has been a very personal um uh, connection for me and especially the type of experiences I have and hopefully like um, who, to whoever who listens to your new album I, it, I hope it will reach to them the same type of deep connection as you did for me so thank you for the new song thank you for coming here and thank you for your amazing talents thank you guys that's very kind of you I appreciate all the kind words and uh, thanks for having me on the show again it was uh, a pleasure as always. It, it was an honor and a pleasure for us as well. Uh, for those who may be curious and for some reason haven't heard yourself before, where can they find more of Will Wood? Uh, Willwood.net. 
Um, that's got basically all of it on it. Um, I think all the basic links. Yeah, I also got all my stuff streaming on basically any streaming service that people use. So, um, yeah. There you go. And, of course, a reminder for the people at home, if you're interested in the songs that we're talking about, In Case I Make It comes out July 29th. Uh, do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, send me all of your money, everyone. Can do. <laughs> I'm working on. The, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the. the I'll, I'll give you my bank information after we get done with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can you just hold your credit card up to the camera? Do you need the magic three numbers on the back as well? I do <laughs> need the CVC. <laughs> but. With that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. See ya! Here. Thank you for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I greatly do appreciate it. And I sincerely hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, usually I leave like little words of advice or whatnot at the end of this podcast. Um, I, I, I want to at least first start by saying, Will, if you are listening to this point, if you even listen to this podcast, I don't blame you. Um, but if you got to this point, uh, thank you once again for sitting down and doing this conversation. It truly is incredible getting the chance to just talk to you every chance I get. So thank you for, thank you for doing this. I, I sincerely love the conversation. Uh, but that leads me to what I was going to say. Now, usually I'd leave like some, you know, words of advice or whatnot, but I want to let you guys in somewhat on a little like insider baseball, I guess the interview that you just watched is actually the second time that we recorded this episode. Uh, we did a previous one, but we had to scrap it due to, uh, audio issues among other things. But, there was one moment in particular that I wanted you guys to that I wanted you guys to see. Um, if you're listening to this on audio, I'm sorry. You're probably gonna best appreciate this on the video version on YouTube.com. Uh, but to set it up again, we were having so many different like audio issues when it came to this episode. It was insane. Some of the stuff that we had to go to, and I've used Discord several times, and Discord likes to just freeze up and like disconnect people and reconnect people. And there was one occasion to where that kind of happened, to where someone froze up, that led to this 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 hilarious little moment that I wanted you guys to see and leave you guys with a little bit of a laugh because I know I was dying laughing whenever I saw this, whenever this happened. So I wanted to leave you guys on a little bit of a, a funny note to end this episode. And I sincerely hope you enjoyed. And uh, yeah. Hope you have a good one. Have some fun. Enjoy. I had the words and then I lost it. Um, <laughs> see, like... Take your time. Yes. Uh, um, and then you froze. Oh, I, okay, I'm back. I'm, I think I should be back. It's just me. I saw me freezing for a second as well. Um, let's see. Can you... Catching up to the audio. Nope.
There you go. I, no, trust me. I'm capturing the audio on my end. Um, are you good? Oh, hold on. Oh, lovely. Um, I just love. I just love when the internet just loves to work with me, doesn't it? Yeah. I think you're back now, though. I think I'm back. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. Hopefully. Can you hear me, or do I need to disconnect and reconnect? I hear you. Um. Okay. Yeah, not so much. I I would say disconnect um, and then come back just to I'll, be on the safe side. I'll be right back. Hold on. This podcast is running smooth. Look, if, if if this podcast had no scuff, it would not be the proper kind of podcast that I want to run. All right. Um, oh. <laughs> you... There you go. Um, oh, and, then... <laughs> and Maria immediately freezes. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I hear you. Okay, there you go. Are you? You might want to disconnect and reconnect as well, <laughs> Maria. Can I too, just for good measure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well at this point, right? Let's make this the whole whole merry-go-round. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right, disconnect. <laughs> All right. You're oh, we lost Maria again. Yeah, I, I, I say I said everyone. I guess do it at this point. So we'll see if she comes back as well. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> again, they they heard us talking so much crap about that you like this. You know, the message behind her went out. They're like, we gotta shut this process down. They're talking too much about us. Discord is trying to silence the dissenters. <laughs> Discord is trying to silence the dissenters. Okay.